Welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Scotty Hertz, and joining me shortly via the wonders of technology will be Guelph Politico Adam A. Donaldson. Open Sources is CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show, and you can find us here every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world and sometimes we interview local newsmakers and politicians and that is exactly what is once again happening this week as we spoke to another five candidates that are vying for the 12 city council seats that are up for grabs in the october 24th municipal election and this week in order of appearance we hear from rodrigo goler in ward two hersham ganiti in ward five carly Klassen running in ward two chetna robinson running in ward six and justin van deal who is running in Ward 4. Once again, another action-packed show. So that's enough for me. Let's get to them right now. Okay, Rodrigo Goller, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Adam. Pleasure to be here. You, you, you know, you were running in Ward 2, which mm-hmm. you ran in Ward 2 last time, but Ward 2 is sort of drastically different. Um, is, that, uh, is that having an effect on the way you're campaigning? Uh, how's, it, how's it changed for you, this election? Absolutely. I think as, as an incumbent, uh, you would I, I benefit from name recognition, but seeing as about half the ward is new, I, I started early, um, a couple weeks after the provincial election, I started door knocking, talking to people. So I've been campaigning since the end of June, uh, really with, with a focus on, on the neighborhoods that were not part of War II um, previously. Um, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not taking... Uh, it for granted, uh, you know, having the, the incumbent advantage, I'm really going out there to try and connect to to the neighbors and see what the issues are for the different neighborhoods. And, and they're, they're quite varied, you know, from, from area to area. Are you getting a lot of what are you doing here? Where's Dan? <laughs> uh, I am actually getting a lot of surprise. Um, I think the vast majority of people that I spoke to are not aware that the ward boundaries have changed. Is that um, perhaps, a, you know, an unintended aspect of I guess not just you, but everybody who's running in War Two, and maybe a little bit everybody who's who's running in this election is that you know you're you're not only educating the voter about yourself, you're educating the voter about where they are in the electoral scheme of things. Yeah, but, but I, I think that happens every election because people have so many things, and there's there's so much information coming at you that this is an excellent opportunity to connect with. Uh, residents across the words uh, and i think that's one of the reasons why i'm running uh the campaign and the way that i'm running it um to really speak to people connect to people uh, and understand what the different issues are uh yeah a lot of the conversations are just updates on what's happening what's going on what the city has been working on um and a lot of that includes the, the change of boundaries mm-hmm. so uh as you kind of noted, you're an incumbent. Um, granted, the words have changed this and the other thing, but you know, you and and James Gordon, your your current ward mate, have a have had a very good working relationship. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That's how it seems from the outside yeah, looking. No, it, it, it was. It was so right from the start. We started hosting town halls together, uh, whether in person and then moving over to to virtual. So yeah, it, it was great working with James uh, for the last uh, four years. This leads me then to um, ask, you know, if you are lucky enough to get reelected, um, what are you looking for in a award mate and a collaborator? Um, and maybe that goes without 
obviously endorsing any specific person, but I mean, what kind of characteristics are are you thinking about? And like, I would really like to work with someone who does X, Y, Z. Yeah, I think for me, uh, I want to make sure that uh, I'm, I'm working with with someone. I mean, whoever gets elected, uh, I will definitely work with with uh, the the other counselor, uh, and I'm good for that in terms of being flexible and uh, and um, you know open to to different styles. But what I'm hoping for is that uh, we have someone that is uh, more communicative with uh, with constituents. Uh, I know during the last term of council, only Dominique O'Rourke in Ward 6 and myself had monthly newsletters to keep our council, our constituents updated. Uh, and I know some other councillors also had newsletters, but I think the regularity of this is what's on the agenda at the beginning of the month. This is These are the big decisions that we have to discuss. I love your feedback. And then taking the time to actually connect with constituents during the couple of weeks uh, in the middle of the month uh, so that I could make informed decisions at the end of the month. Uh, I'm hoping that whoever gets elected um, as my, my fellow councillor uh, in Ward 2 will be open to doing that and possibly collaborating on that newsletter together so that it's more of a one point of information. Uh, with James, it was good that we maintained a shared website. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that... Um, Leanne and uh, Kathy did that in Ward 5, and so did Dominique and Mark in Ward 6. So it was a one point of information, because I think we have such a fragmented landscape between all the different platforms for social media, uh, even, um, you know, television is not not the same. The more people that I talk to, I find that very few people still watch the local TV channel. So it just creates this void of, of information that I'm hoping we can we can facilitate at least from a counselor perspective. So that's that's the big one: listening to constituents um, and really keeping a pulse on what the community wants and the, what the community you know uh, is, is showing. For example, uh, here in Guelph, we have a very high rate of uh, vaccination. Mm. I have had a couple of people that ask me at the door, "What is your stance on vaccines?" I tell them, "Well, uh, as, as a member a board member for our public health unit i strongly support vaccine mandates and a couple of people say thank you and that's the end of the conversation because they're not going to vote for me and that's fair but i think Interesting. you know the, the elected officials really should represent what the the broad population wants that's interesting i really want to do a deep dive into that but i'm going to restrain myself to get back to the main <laughs> thrust of this being the election um you're in a you and Dominique are in um, both in kind of a, a similar position. I think I asked her something similar, but if I didn't, I apologize. So I'm going to ask you. Um, you know, you have you're coming out of your first term. Um, you you know, and you like a lot of candidates go go into uh, an election with a lot of like ideas and a lot of purpose, uh, a lot of things you want to get done something big happened this last term that probably threw all of that under the <laughs> under the table into the closet wherever you store things in a hurry but if you do get reelected what's a priority for you going into a new term that you weren't able to tackle in your first term mm-hmm. well i think something that is that is coming more more to the surface is the the housing issue that we have 
we really are in a crisis. Uh, Wellington County is has been working on the 10-year plan to eliminate homelessness and wealth in Wellington County. And I feel that they're making good progress over at the county. Uh, they put substantial amounts of money every year towards their affordable housing reserve. When I was elected back in 2018, that previous year, the budget had zero dollars towards our affordable housing reserve. In 2019, we put 300,000 and 500,000 every year after that. Uh, but it's it's really um, a drop in the bucket for what we need for affordable housing. Uh, Wolf has not built any new social housing or rent geared to income housing or or truly affordable housing since 2005. So I think that's that's where we really need to reconnect. And there, it's the the Wolf Nonprofit Housing Corporation uh, operates under Wellington County, and they are the folks that manage social housing at the city of Guelph. I think we need to work more closely with them to get a read on what the actual need is and how many more units we need in Guelph uh, of whether it be uh, affordable or rent geared to income uh, so that, that we can actually meet the need. I know that it's it's a long wait list if uh, you know, you're on ODSP or um, you're, you're on, on the list for housing, you're looking at seven plus years. And I think that's that's growing and it's not acceptable. Um, not, not, not in an age when we're coming out of the pandemic and, and economically, you know, we look at the numbers and Canada appears to be doing really well, but I think what's, what we need to take note of is that overall as a society we're doing well, but there's this growing gap between those who have money and those who have, don't have money. And when Guelph's rent is comparable to Toronto and mm-hmm. you know the city considers affordable housing to be 80% of the market rent, well, even 80% of $2,000 actually... We were just looking at um, rental listings down the street from me. There is a one bedroom listed for twenty five hundred mm. um, per month, and I'm thinking, well, that's you know eighty percent of that. If that's what the city considers affordable, so we need to go back, change the city's definition of affordability, so we can actually evaluate how well we're doing um, at having that range of houses and work with with the county to build more social housing and wealth. Lots of other things that we need to do to increase the housing stock, um, you know, including changes to our zoning bylaw to allow more rental units without restrictions for, say, parking spaces or to allow legal triplex, fourplex, fiveplex units that we currently do not allow. Uh, so, yeah, just working ways to increase housing, but also uh, actually step up and build some more social housing uh, in the city of Guelph. You have been on council, and a lot of people in this election are talking about like the need to build more social housing and things mm-hmm. like that. You know what the barriers are because you've already been looking at the barriers. Is there as much wiggle room as people hope there is in order to get to make some of those goals uh, that you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Well, that's... That, that's a hard-fought um, situation <laughs> because a lot of the limitations that we have are, are put onto us by the province. Yeah. So th- there's actually relatively small room for us to make change. Uh, and that's why little things like removing the restriction of, of a parking space to have an additional renting unit, that's something we can influence. Most other issues are really depending on provincial funding, federal funding, at the same time, if we don't have matching dollars in a reserve when the opportunity comes from the feds or the province to build more housing, then we're not going to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. Right. So we need we do need to do some some correct work. But that is actually, you know, the, the, the wiggle room is my largest frustration. Take, for example, the, the paramedics. 
we have these code break situations where we have half or even all our ambulances waiting to unload at the world general. Um, but because there's not enough long-term beds and because there's a shortage of nurses, uh, both provincial um, issues that they have to deal with, we are paying the consequence uh, through through our ambulance uh, service, through overtime for par- paramedics, and through just wait times, people calling 911 locally. So it's it's one of those issues that the downloading of services to the municipality that I think we need to focus more and do more advocacy at the provincial level. Okay, perfect. Well, this is this might be the easiest question of the day, but uh, where can people get more information about you and the campaign you're running? Absolutely, uh, it's a uh, Goler the number four word the number two Goler for word two um, uh, dot ca, and that is the the website at Goler for word two on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Uh, that's how you, or you can just. Give me, send me an email, Rodrigo at Goler for Ward 2. I'm joined by Hashem Gennady, who's running in Ward 5 for one of the two available seats in the election on October 24th, one of six candidates running. Welcome to the program, Hashem. Thank you, Scott, for having me. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to be heard. So as someone who's a, a new face on the local political scene, can you talk a bit about yourself? Just a short biography. Yeah, of course. Um, my name is Hashem Gennady. I'm, um, I'm a law professor. I'm... Um, also financial and business advisor, and then I'm a political analyst. I moved to Guelph in 2013. Um, I lived in Ward 5 since I moved in. I actually chose Guelph, so it was my choice to come to Guelph after wandering too many countries before I come here. So yeah, I, I actually I visited over 30 countries before I moved here. I worked for United Nations for a while. Um, also, I worked for many other uh, international and government organizations so um, I moved with my family of course my kids attend school here my wife work here for uh, uh, immigrant service and um, uh, I really like I, I thought that is I can bring something new to the council not all not only because my diverse background but also I, I believe I have all always um, like innovate innovative uh, vision for anything I do. Uh, I believe like my, the center of my work was always democracy. And I believe like the city council is the most important role in the community. They are affecting every, every uh, day life. And um, I believe I can add to it. Even though the election's still about a month away, most candidates have been out and about canvassing. I'm sure you have been as well. What have you been hearing from the people of Ward 5? It seems like everyone have almost the same concerns and um, some areas they have different concerns, but the main concern everyone has, of course, is um, housing affordability and the increase of taxes, uh, which is really challenging because we look into uh, growing Guelph. Guelph is a great city to live in, and it's attracting more people with also with the initiative uh, the previous council already approved, which is or endorsed. Many of them was like really great endorsements. So we are attracting more people, and we are growing fast in a good way, not in a bad way. We are we are we are growing on the right speed, I believe. Um, but. On the cost of housing affordability, um, with housing affordability, of course, there is the issue of um, mental illness. There is the, the uh, homelessness issue. Um, also, people um, 
concern about the public transit, the safety, the road safety. So there is many concerns, but also people like to see more city facilities on, on Ward 5. They feel like they don't have uh, enough pub, like city facilities in Ward 5 that is, they can meet and they can have activities, especially for uh younger like adults like no no or not younger adults like youth like people in high school they don't have any activities to do with the city or at least not enough in, in ward five so i'm kind of speaking to young people a little bit the largest voting block in in five is without a doubt the students at u of g and they're kind of not often as engaged as they might be in municipal issues as they should be how would you represent the students at city hall yeah, so um, I really believe that is my job as a city council is to be the advocate for the community in the city council. So I, I would, I'm, I, I'm coming from uh, academic background, so I deal with students on daily basis. And they really know their concerns, and they, it's really important to make them feel included in our community. The diversity background they bring to our city is great. Like we, like the University of Guelph, they have people not only from all over Canada, but from all over the, 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 uh, the world. So it's, um, I am really uh, planning to be in touch with them on weekly, monthly, and daily basis if needed um, to make sure that their, voice are, are, they, their voices are heard because this is my job. My plan is to facilitate many of the technology and social media platform to interact more and make their voice heard. So you sort of touched on it briefly earlier. One of the hot button issues, as always, is taxes and the tax rate when it comes to municipal elections. Now, I know from your vision on your website, you said that you're for a tax cut. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, so it's um, also this is one of the things that is we we need balance. And it's, it's, it is, I think, or I believe this is the most difficult issue because we need money to run the city. 90% of the city budget go to like main service, you go to the sewer, go to the water, go to the uh, garbage removal. So it's really, it's, it's, we can just cut it, but we can make the city income higher and we can also do uh, some like like if we facilitate some technologies that is existing now i believe we can make the budget is more efficient the service we we provide is more efficient um, uh, plus we can uh, uh, maximize the tax the, the city income not only by taxes but by other other means also the collaboration with with municipal i'm sorry with the province government with the federal government and the non-profit organization and the private sector i believe it's a key for 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 this balance of growth and affordability speaking of uh, technology which you mentioned there I, I was very interested you were talking about on your website the use of smart city technology and the Internet of Things as solutions for the city, particularly regarding uh, the Net Zero 2050 initiative. Can you talk a bit about that? Because there, there aren't a lot of candidates talking about technology mm -hmm. as a direct solution for city issues. Yeah, so of course, this is long-term solution. And I believe like it is the future of everything. The Internet of Things is the future of everything. But on top of it, so we it, it's data-driven technology. So we can make all the service the city provide, we can make it 
more accessible and also more efficient. Uh, this is this is the beauty of the Internet of Things. That is, with all the data you collect, you can make your service very efficient, which will reduce the cost of providing it. On top of it, using the Internet of Things with the blockchain technology, you can actually generate money for the city because this data there is many and that's public data it's not like private data or it's something that will be able will people should worry about their privacy but there is there is data out there there is many companies they are looking for it and they provide service based on these data so they, they will provide service um, to the city to the residents based on this data so the the use of the blockchain technology with the internet of things we can we can generate money and also have the service we provide um, more efficient if you were elected what would be your first order of business what would you want to be top of mind on the new council's agenda in october I can't think about only one thing. It's hard to choose one thing. But for the short term, I think the homelessness issue, we have to find a quick, like at least temporary or short-term solution before the winter come, which is I, 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 have a, I have a specific plan I would like to implement, collaborating with not only the, the province and the federal government, but also with private sector and non-for-profit organizations. I, I think they can play key role in solving this problem. But, the, but on the long term, I would like to see, um, I, I would like to start immediately on the the tiny house and the Internet of Things um, uh, technology, like implementation immediately. This is that will be my for because again, that's it's a, a, a long term plan and it will take time to implement and it will take time to see its fruits. But it's it's really important. So that is that is my plan for the for the first thing I will um, um, I will focus on, but also I am listening to my uh, to, to the community. So maybe uh, this is not important for them. Maybe it will be something else. It's more important than my plan. In this case, I will follow their lead and I will follow what they they want me to do. So finally, something that we ask everyone as well is, why should the voters of Ward Five choose you? On October 24th. So I believe I have a unique experience. I lived in many countries. I saw how important is the local government. That's uh, it is the key for success in for the for the succession of any of any government. So based on my previous in, uh, experience with with international organizations with uh, uh, with governments, I think I have this unique diverse background that is I can bring to the city council that is. Um, uh, 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 will enrich the city council. Basically, this is this is what I'm looking forward to collaborate with other councils with my with my new vision. I have very um, uh, um, I have initiatives that is will be unique to to Ward Five. So I like to implement them based on my uh, diverse background. Well, thanks for joining us today, Hisham. And if people would like to get in touch with you and find out more about you, how can they do that? 
My website has all the information. It's guelph5.ca, and it has all the information. It has my email, my phone number. It has all the social media platform, and it will be updated. I'm actually, once we are close to the election, I'm planning to have an app for World 5. People will be able to communicate very easily and see what we do in the council, and also I can hear them quicker and and hear all of them, basically. Okay, Carly Klassen, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Adam. Uh, for people who may not be familiar with you, uh, at least politically speaking, some people may be familiar with your uh, business interests, but uh, by way of introducing yourself, uh, who is Carly Klassen? Yeah, so like you said, hi, I'm Carly, and I am a small business owner here in Guelph. I am the owner of the Sage Soap Company. Um, I'm from Guelph, and so I've I've certainly followed what's been happening at a municipal level for many, many years. But recently, I moved back about eight years ago uh, from living away, and I started to get involved in a number of local uh, boards and um, nonprofits. And I have worked on um, the library, the Guelph Public Library Board. I've also, I also currently sit on the uh, Guelph Chamber of Commerce Board. And through that, I sit on the Downtown Guelph Business Association. Um, I'm also an avid volunteer in other areas. I've been a long time volunteer at Hillside. Um, and I've also been, you know, lending my voice to a number of different local organizations over the years. And um, so running for city council just feels like a bit of an extension of some of the work that I've already been doing, um, connecting with people and bringing attention to various issues. Um, and and yeah, I think that's sort of me in a nutshell. I also have a background in uh, political science. I started my undergraduate degree uh, at Carleton University in Ottawa. I worked on a couple of federal campaigns as well, uh, kind of like learning the ropes of like what canvassing means and, you know, Things, things like picking up a phone and calling people and and just connecting with what's really happening. Um, and so I got a kind of early taste of that. And I I think I after after I got into that world, I also realized that I had other interests and that being political is something that we should be participating in different parts of our lives all of the time. Um, and when when this year, I, I thought that it was a, a good time for me professionally to be able to put my hat in the ring because I'm well supported here with my business. So um, yeah, that's kind of why I'm running. All right. We we know who you are. So why don't you tell us about War 2, which is very different from the old War 2 um if in in this election so tell us about uh where you're running and and um why it's important to you yeah so i am in ward two and 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 the boundaries have changed not a lot of like i, I still talk to a lot of people at the at the at the door who doesn't know that as soon as when we vote in this election we'll be voting with the new ward boundaries um technically our service areas up until october 24th are um, the current ward boundaries. So you're going to see that if you go to the website. Um, but after the 24th and on the 24th, you'll be voting with the new boundaries. And so the new boundaries basically extend all of the way from the river, um, the Aramosa, all the way to 
essentially Guelph Lake and the new development that is past Woodlawn. And it's bordered by Victoria and Woolwich Street. And I call it Woolwich Street Extended because it includes downtown. Um, so there's a lot of different neighborhoods in there. And there's a lot of different needs happening in all of those different areas. Um, and, you know, there's also some big items that unify all of us, right? We're all talking about safety and we're all talking about the post-pandemic world and what that means. So as far, like I'm hearing affordability coming out of every person's mouth and housing. Um, and those are things that it doesn't matter where you live, you see what's happening in the community and in it, it it binds us together. Now, every street has different needs too. Um, so I've been hearing different things based on where people live. Sometimes it's like a microcosm. Like sometimes people are just like, you know, my my snow doesn't get shoveled, doesn't get moved efficiently. Um, and other times it's like, my road is so busy, I'm fearful for my children. Um, and so I've been hearing a lot of different things. And obviously, we're hearing a lot about some of the bigger ticket items, especially with budgeting coming up. Um, people worried about increasing their taxes. Um, everybody, especially people who are living on fixed incomes, um, and ODSP and and who uh, like it's it's a it's a hard time right now and things are getting more expensive and I think that I'm just hearing that people are frustrated and um, it's been a hard time post pandemic and um, yeah it's it, there's but there's again things that are little things that are different but like big things that we're all living with right mm -hmm. we're in a bit of a global community. So as much as we're connecting with people, you know, who live next door, we're also talking about all of these big issues. Um, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> War two has been, I've been, it's been really great to talk to people at the door. Um, I haven't been into every neighborhood yet, but I have talked to, I had had some great conversations with people with, you know, different needs in different neighborhoods already and as i kind of continue the campaign process i'm excited to hear more all right well we're here to hear more from you right now so in, in talking about affordability and things you mentioned on your website uh reasonable growth so what does reasonable growth look like to you as a, as a business owner as a rate payer as a candidate yeah, I mean, growth is here. Um, and because we're also mandated by the Ontario uh, legislation, we're a place, we're one of the places to grow in Ontario. So we have, um, I think, we're, is it legislated we're to, to grow up to 208,000 people by, you probably know the year 2051. Um, 2051. And so <laughs> I, I, I mean, this is, a, this is a lot of people. So um, there's a couple of things. I, I know one thing that a lot of the other candidates have been talking about, so I won't spend a lot of time on it, is the water table. Does the water table support that many people? Um, we should be building based on, on that. We don't want to be overwhelming our existing systems. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, however, growth means different things to different people. And when we talk about Ward 2, we're talking about an established pretty established neighborhood that has a lot of single family dwellings. There is concentrations of um, high density housing happening as well. I think that we need to be balancing um, those things out with some medium density housing, looking at infill projects that 
are um, sustainable. There's a lot of different people out there doing interesting work. I had a great conversation with a local architect about a cooperative that he is, has built on. Um, it's it's on the corner of uh, Woolwich and um, Mont, I think. Mm-hmm. And there's interesting housing projects that I think are happening and that need we need more of them. And as we grow, like the future's already here, Adam. Like I like there's other na- there's other communities and other countries that are having to deal with these issues right now. Like if we look at some European countries, like they have like density issues that are so different than ours. We have so much space and we're sprawling. Like we sh- like we are so lucky to have land and space. We should be borrowing some like like practices from Europe and other places where um, population density is high so that we're we're taking advantage of our space in a way that is like meaningful and sustainable but also that we're not creating these cities that are unwalkable we're not creating these like corridors that are wind tunnels where nobody walks because and i've been there and i think we all have been to places where we feel you know that it's not very human sized and i think that uh, I was talking like an architect or an engineer about how humans want to be in in spaces that are like three or four stories high that make us feel kind of like safe and um and our eye line can actually see um and perceive like where the the roof is kind of thing <laughs> and we don't have a lot of that i mean we don't like there's not a ton there's um i live i live on huron street where there has been a development um that is a um yeah, they're semi-detached homes. And I think that looking at these types of like projects, especially on our brownfields where we can be using the space, like there's space. Um, mm. How are we using it and how are we creating neighborhoods? Because we have to live here. Um, you know, I, I think that I think that's what my big concern is with development is like there's a lot. We look a lot at how do we how do we maximize the dollar value per person when we're when we're building like they want like you know development is a business and mm. they are trying to maximize that dollar and it's our job as not just city councilors but as citizens to be saying hey like we want more we want more green spaces we want more affordable units we want um we want our dollars to be working for us in ways that benefit people who are in our community that don't have as much um and i think that we should be looking at all of our projects that way to be frank um we we're living in a cl- like a climate emergency and w- everything we do should be looked at through that lens every every single thing and whether that means looking at like um different certifications or um integrating sort of you know green projects whether that's harvesting rainwater or um you know using building materials that are more sustainable and um durable long term like how are we how are we building for the future well, you just demonstrated council-like efficiency by addressing about six issues in one question. So that brings us to the end of our interview. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, where, the last question, though, is where can people learn more about your campaign? Yeah, uh, so you can visit my website, which is carlyward2.ca, or you can visit me on 
Instagram or Facebook, which is the same, Carly Ward 2 Guelph. Uh, you got to add the Guelph there on the social media. And uh, feel free to send me an email, info at carlyward2.ca. And if you've got somebody in your life who does not have a phone or no, sorry, who does not have like social, like a smartphone, or if they don't have a, um, like a computer, just give them my, like, just send me a note and I'll give you my number and you can give it to them. We're now joined by Chetna Robinson, one of the five candidates running for the two available seats in Ward 6 on October 24th. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. For our listeners who may not know who you are, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. I am a mother of school-age children. I work at a private college that teaches software redevelopment, like reskilling. So if people are in industries and they want to become a software developer, we very quickly teach them the, how to take on those skills. And a lot of it is just teaching them the mindset of, you know, you can do it. So I spent a lot of my time telling people, no, it's not impossible. You can absolutely do that and trying to figure out solutions to, you know, problems that pop up. I live in Ward 6. I like long walks on the beach. I love reading. That's pretty much me in a nutshell. Most candidates have had some time to get out and about, to hit the pavement, out in the riding. What have you been hearing from the people in Ward 6? Is there any issue that's top of mind these days? Uh, I think there's two things that people always immediately bring up. And one, and I think this is the biggest issue, is that they don't know what's going on. They're kind of feeling very surprised. And so I think a lot of it has just been engagement with them. You know, Dominique's been doing a great uh, like job with the newsletter and stuff, but she's only one person. And I think that there is a lot of people in the ward that are, are newer there. And when you first show up, it's not like you get a little, you know, a handy post-it note that is like, oh, by the way, these are the people you need to follow on Twitter. And this is the city website. And this is where you get this information. And so they, you know, they go to sleep one night and then they wake up and there's a 20 story building next to them. And they, I mean, obviously not, I'm, I'm hyperbolizing for effect, but they really don't uh, know what the plans are and they don't know what the justification for the plans are. And I think a lot of times I've talked to people and they said, oh, if I had known that, then I would have felt better about this other thing. And so now that I know the facts, I understand what's happening. And then the other thing is just it's traffic. There's there, uh, largely because of all these things that are happening within Ward 6. A lot of people are really concerned about the way that Gordon Street uh, is being managed in terms of traffic. So, yeah, that is something we're seeing in, in Ward 6, the result of previous planning decisions, Clare Road, Gordon Street, that, that whole corridor, and more to come, obviously. So how would you like to see the future development of that evolve? I think one of my biggest advocacies is that we need to do things right the first time. I've been digging through a lot of these development files over the past few years, and I think that asking some different questions with the developers and insisting on certain other things in terms of traffic management before it gets built is a really good way of dealing with the problem. We have a really great plan for like multimodal transit, and I think that's really important because it's great to just say, you know, we have to minimize the impact of cars and we don't want to have too much sprawl, which means we need to have, you know, density. But unfortunately, you can't just do that without also having the plans in place. You need to have the bike lanes, you need to have reliable buses, you need to have that multimodal transit available for people because they can't go five or six years taking a bus and potentially being late for everything. So I think a lot of it is just making sure that we, you know, we have the technologies, we have the, the studies, we have the staff recommendations, everything is in place for us to do this right. We just have to make sure that when we move forward with plans that we've thought about all of this and we're not just get letting developers kind of get away with, oh, that, that'll work. Don't worry about it. That's going to be fine. Because then what happens is then 10 years from now, we just end up using our tax dollars in order to pay for the rebuilding of that infrastructure or you know the filling in of the stuff that we missed in the first place. 
that relates to something else you've mentioned in your campaign materials is the ease or lack of ease in which somebody can navigate the mechanisms of city hall sort of access to info and the accessibility of that. What would you do uh, if elected to bring that into being? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So this has been a big thing I've been noticing um, throughout my research before I began running. And now that I am running, like I'm very blessed to have uh, an, an education and English is my first language. And I am very good at reading large amounts of information just because I do that at work and kind of breaking it down into more manageable pieces. But that is not what it should take in order to have a basic idea of what's happening. So that is, that's a, a big frustration for me. Cause again, the technology exists, like it really would be very easy to just have you know, Dominique's got her newsletter. It would be easy to do uh, more newsletters, do mailers, and, and just make uh, an app. There are so many great developers out there that can do very quick and easy apps to be able to say, look, if you want a permit, this is where you go. If you want to, you know, find the local park with you that has a splash pad and a bathroom, this is where you go. So I think a lot of it is just utilizing existing technologies, but then also being aware that not everybody has technology, right? And so we also need to reach the people that are, like my mom's on a flip phone. She, she's not going to be able to access uh, an app and she's certainly not going to be able to learn how to use it. So I think making sure that we access all the people that don't have access to technology and utilize printed materials and, and being out there in the public, you know, being able to just get into a community group and start talking to people like going to PTA meetings or going to local barbecues and just saying, hey, you know, did you know this is happening and what are your thoughts? on it makes a huge difference. Something else that you've mentioned uh, in your platform, and I've heard this from others as well, is that there's a, a bit of a disconnect between the South End and the rest of the city, I guess being the new, the new area, the new South End, let's say. How do you see that gap getting bridged? Yeah, I, I hear that a lot. I, I've even heard it throughout the the political interviews that you you guys have been having with the candidates, um, because you know that's, and I see it on on the internet that you know Guelph ends at Stone Road, and it's. Uh, I think the biggest thing that we can do to bridge that gap is events, is having stuff that is happening in Ward Six where we can invite people from the rest of the city, and then vice versa. You know, people from Ward Six to be going out there. I think a big thing that stops residents from Ward Six from going into the city is that we have no way of getting back safely like if we drive great that's fine but I can't go to a bar have a drink and then drive home right and so but I also can't go and take a bus home because there is no bus there's just no bus that, that travels that late so I think a lot of it is you know we have great plans that are happening within the next 10 years but um planning for the the gap in between when that is built and now um but I want to have I want to have like a big festival in Ward 6 and have people come over and see how awesome there's so many cool businesses in Ward 6 and there's lots of really great neighbors and so I think it'll make all the residents in Ward 6 feel welcome and also invite the rest of the city you know I, I don't think twice about going to Riverside Park and so I want to invite people we have that awesome like Dragonfly Park in Ward 6 so everybody should come and and hang out with us there so well, speaking of parks that's another one of your key concerns you've mentioned is the shortage of parkland and it also relates to the much delayed uh, rec center. You called it uh, social malnutrition, which is a term that's kind of come out of the pandemic in terms of lack of resources and things for particularly young people to do. What do you think the remedy is for that in your view? Yeah, and this is a, a really difficult one because I think a lot of us that have children of any age have really seen that the pandemic affected their mental health in a lot of ways, you know, during a time when they should be going out and socializing, they should be chatting with people, they were kind of stuck at home. And like, 
I'm sure my kids love me and I very much love my kids, but you don't want to spend every single waking minute of your day with your mother. It's, it's infuriating and it's not good for them. So the solution is, uh, is to create more parks. Uh, unfortunately, it's not as simple as just saying, you know, make more parks because we need to acquire more land. We would need to acquire a lot more hectares of land in order to actually provide the parks that we have you know, said that we need. And so I think that staff has already recommend that we start thinking about strata parks, which is a, a park that would be like on top of a building. And so I think we need to get a little creative in terms of how we're going to be doing that park. And then we need to build the rec center. We very much need to build the rec center. And then we need to utilize the space that we have in parks a lot better. You know, like the park right next to my kid's school has a tiny little play structure on it. And then a bunch of just kind of empty dead grass where we could put splash pads in there. We could put a basketball court in there. We could put various other things that would get the kids actually active and moving. One of the big things that I'd really like to see too is parks that are inclusive and that think about all types of bodies. You know, skate parks are dope and I love them, but not every child is necessarily going to go and enjoy that. A lot of studies have shown that girls strongly prefer parks that have circular swings because they want to go and they want to be able to chat with their friends. And not just girls, but, you know, people uh, or, you know, boys that don't necessarily have the same type of masculinity as the ones that are choosing to go to skate parks. And so having parks that appeal to all sorts of different kids I remember being a kid and if I didn't have somewhere to go I would then go and destroy something I would get bored and I would just go do you know whatever teens do I think right nowadays it's burning tires in the park um at the time it was you know uh, I don't even remember I don't want to out myself by telling you how old I am but at the time it was talking to random people on BBC boards and you know being silly on the internet but I think it's really important for kids to to have healthy places to go and I think that in order to have parks we're going to have to start thinking about how we can do that instead of just taking up uh, plots of land we need to have creative parks like strata parks so if, if you're elected and we ask everyone this question what would be your first order of business what would you like to see on top of the agenda in october uh well that event for sure uh, i would definitely like to do like a like nice little fun harvest festival uh and then working on disseminating some of the information you know even our trans if you want to know about our transit master plan you have to read a few hundred pages of literature if you want to know about our general like plans for the future so i think i would just really work on creating resource documents that were basically frequently asked questions what does this mean what does that mean you know where does the budget come from uh and then i would make sure that those go onto the city website uh, and onto an app and onto a mailer and so that people kind of had some answers about all the stuff that has been troubling troubling them recently when the voters of six go to the polls on october 24th why should they choose you as one of their picks. Oh, that's that's sweet. I get a chance to like pitch my case. Uh, I think the main reason is that I mean, I'd be good at it. I'm very approachable. I can sit down with just about anybody and have a conversation with them. Uh, I'm very easy to talk to and I, and I really make an effort to understand and hear people's issues. And then I'm also really good at explaining, like I'm really good at digging into all these documents and putting them down into a, you know, too long didn't read this summary. And so, Voting for me means that you're going to have an empathetic and engaged counselor who is doing the homework and making sure that Ward 6 is invited. Well, thanks for joining us today, Chetna. We're out of time. But if people would like to get in touch with you and find out more about your campaign, where can they do that? I have a website. It's www.robinson for you, like Mrs. Robinson, and then F-O-R-Y-O-U. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Robinson for you. And you can um, shoot me an email anytime you want. I'm Chetna at robinsonforyou.ca. Okay, Justin Van Deel, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing today, Adam? I'm doing good. Thank you uh, for asking. Not a lot of the interviewees ever ask how I'm doing. So wow. that, was, that was nice. Um, 
so tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, why, who, who are you and why are you running? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, kind of going back to where I'm from, I was born on a farm, not on the actual farm. I was born in a hospital, but no, I grew <laughs> up on a farm in the, in the middle of nowhere. Um, so, I mean, you know, to say I was born in a farm where I'm from, there's a possible chance that actually happened. Um, but no, I grew up on a farm down in uh, near Long Point. And, uh, you know, fast forward to when it was time to go to university, I applied to Guelph here and, and uh, having never been here, which is kind of funny, uh, I showed up and almost immediately fell in love. So I've been here since 2006 uh, and I've been living in the West End since about 2009. OK, so over you've been here in the West End because I'm in the West End, too. So that's over. 13 years. So you have a pretty good handle on um, why you like the area. And, you know, it, it does often seem that, and, and I think of this too, as someone who lives in the Warfare area, we often kind of, you know, get overlooked a, a bit, you know, what's the big draw here. Um, so what is it about Ward 4 that, um, you know, sort of keeps you here? What's the appeal for you? Yeah. So, I mean, like moving in here was, you know, this area was not, on purpose it just kind of happened and uh you know the reason i've stayed is just it, it for me it's very central i mean i'm close enough to the hamlin i can hop on and go to either end um you know close enough to woodlawn i can get across to the other side pretty fast uh but not only that like we have everything we need in terms of basics here uh you know a grocery store a costco i guess if you need it <laughs> um but then you know just across to hamlin Outside of our ward is, you know, two other grocery stores and a, and a litany of other other retail sectors. But, you know, there's not a lot of reason to leave this area, which is really kind of nice. You know, we have parks. We have all the retail needs. Um, if you want to go to the movies, we for the longest time, we had the only movie theater. So that was great. Um, and then, yeah, if, you know, if you had a job in the, in the you know manufacturing industry, you were generally in this part of town. That's right. It's just yeah. a great area to be, to be honest. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's get into issues. Uh, on your website, you talk about smart and sustainable growth as, as one of your goals. So um, what does smart and sustainable growth look like to you? So for me, I mean, there's no doubt we, we are going to grow and we, you know, we need to grow. Uh, a lot of people aren't too happy about that. But then, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, it's just what's going to happen. So my thoughts are, you know, instead of what it seems like to me anyways, if you go through town, throwing a, you know, high density building onto any empty corner of an intersection just doesn't make sense. Um, you know, we have a couple spots here in, in the city where there are going to be high density buildings and neighborhoods that it just doesn't, you know, make sense for them to be there. Um, especially in terms of, you know, the infrastructure around it, the characteristics of the neighborhood, you know, it, it's too bad. We're almost taking, you know, a picturesque area and throwing a giant building into it. Um, I'm not against, you know, the high density buildings if they're the right buildings, but what I would like to see is, is the, the smart infrastructure being built around it. So, you know, whether that means making sure that the roads that are currently there can handle the traffic Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, if that means us planning to make sure that the roads can handle the traffic, uh, you know, making sure that the transit routes go through there properly, that, you know, if we're going to add, you know, 
a couple hundred more people to that part of the, the city or whatever part of the city, especially here on the West End, then we need to be ready for them instead of trying to catch up to them. Uh, and another part of that would be, you know, instead of council looking at, you know, does this make sense for us for the next, you know, X amount of years that I'm a counselor or till the next election, we need to start thinking about the future of the city, you know, beyond, you know, the five years. You know, what is what does this plan look like for 10 years? Does this make sense in 20 years? Are we buying the right materials or the land to make sure of this? You know, one thing I think about often is, is something like, you know, library that's going to go up downtown is, you know, is, is that the right area for a library? I know you can make arguments for and against, but the problem is in 50 years, is that going to be the right area for a library? Are we going to add to that library or are we going to decide to, you know, move it again, spend mm. another couple hundred million dollars, you know, and keep building it that way. So I'd just like to see sort of future consideration in terms of those sorts of building projects and infrastructure. It's funny you should say that because that is part of the problem with the current location of the main library is they can't add to it. So, <laughs> well, and that's just it, you know, and, and, and I understand, you know, especially at the current one now it was built uh, 50 over 50 years ago. Mm. So I, I keep thinking, you know, the seventies was like <laughs> 30 years ago, but no, and it was that's even right. before that. So, you know, so yeah, you think about how old that library is and, and I understand, you know, you, you, you look at the guts of it and you say, well, we can't, we can't do anything with this because it's so old. So that's why I kind of want the future considerations to be thinking about those things. You know, what materials are we using? And I understand that, you know, the same thing we're using now may not be the best in 30 years. That's just how technology and, and those things kind of evolve. But the problem is, are we considering that in terms of the budget? You know, mm. how can we make sure the infrastructure is growing with us instead of just aging? Mm. So that when the time comes, you know, of course, I'm not an engineer, so I don't know. But I mean, you know, the, you know, the, when the time comes, instead of them saying, well, we need a bigger library, we better go start all over somewhere else. You know, can we add to it? So, you know, having those sorts of modular buildings or spaces, especially something like a rec center where it's like, okay, we have room right now because we need a, a ice pad and a pool but knowing that we are supposed to grow to over 200,000 in the you know, next 50 some odd years, 70 years, you know, are we going to need more there? So again, is it, do we tear down and start over or are we thinking ahead that we're able to fit these needs into that space now? Mm-hmm. You mentioned too uh, about accountability, which I always find interesting because accountability means something different to, to different people. And I think you'd probably find a lot of the current counselors would make the argument they are accountable. Um, you know, elections are one form of accountability, but I, I, I get the sense you're probably talking about an advanced form of, of accountability. So what does that look like to your mind? Yeah, so I mean, you hit the nail right on the head in terms of, you know, accountability being different for everybody. Um, and it also depends on the topic, this and that, you know, uh, counselors and politicians now, and I'm not just saying people on our, you know, local government, but all politicians like to think they're accountable until it comes to something they likely don't want to talk about or shed light to, um, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, they, they forget that promise they made. You know, some of the accountability I want us to really focus on, and I'm sure you'll hear it a lot, um, it, but it's a matter of whether they do it or not, is... Mm -hmm 
is opening up everything to the to the people. Um, mm. I understand that you know some information just can't you know be out there in terms of protecting people, uh, you know things. But we got to make sure we're protecting the right people for the right reasons. You know, victims, not you know politicians who you know maybe made bad choices. Uh, so I think you know being able to see what's happening in a more open space is is beneficial for for everybody. Um, you know, with that being said, I know the city tries to do a lot in making sure that whatever they are doing is being talked about or that, you know, people have input, but I don't know how many times I've talked to people and they're like, oh, I didn't know this was being built over here or that's going there. And oh, public consultation's closed. So, you know, uh, you know, not to pass the buck a little bit, but, you know, we need to figure out how we can get our, our residents of wealth more involved in that sense so that they know these things are here so that mm. they can get input in and i don't know that you know we're using technology the best way to make sure that can happen so as far as like transparency goes it, it should be more about you know here is what we're thinking and doing here's you know where x amount of dollars are going to go and here is why we're thinking it you know full disclosure and if somebody really wants to dig through the paperwork it, it's there all right. So if people want to look on the inside of your campaign or, or talk to you or, or learn more about you, how can people do that? Yeah, they can go to www.voteforjustin.ca. Uh, alternatively, you can email me at justin at voteforjustin.ca. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, uh, elect Justin Van Dale. And then Instagram is also connected, you know, for vote Justin Ward 4. Um, you know, my website isn't completely done in terms of what a platform looks like i want to be able to come to people with a you know well thought out platform so my my angles are you know uh like i said smart growth sustainability making sure that you know we are transparent and affordability you know those are all main points but you know as i talk to people i want to make sure before i go throw up a platform that i've heard everything mm -hmm. and then i can give you know a real direction of what i'm thinking so to recap, that was Rodrigo Goler, Ward 2, Hasham Ganidi, Ward 5, Carly Klassen, Ward 2, Chetna Robinson, Ward 6, and Justin Van Deel running in Ward 4. That's it for this week's edition of the show. We hope you enjoyed it. You can stay connected with us at our website, opensourcesguelph.com. Find us on Facebook at the Open Sources Newswire and on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. If you'd like to listen to our show again, you can download it from our website every Monday at the Guelph Politicast on Podbean or on your favorite podcast app, Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find Adam on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and you can check out his news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And you can find me on Twitter at Scotty Hertz, and I'm on Facebook as well. So stay tuned for some more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We'll be back here next Thursday at 5 p.m. for more open sources, and we'll talk to you then. Mm -hmm.